This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. everybody this evening. Glad to be at church on a Wednesday night. Yeah, man, there's nothing better going on in the community than Wednesday night service at High Desert Word Center. Am I right? Best place you could be. Well, uh, man, listen, we, we've got a title tonight that I want to talk about for a few minutes here. And the title is this. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Every single one of us can think of a time where God has rescued us out of a situation. Amen. Amen. Or maybe saved us out of something or provided for a need and it seemed like it wasn't going to happen. But listen, all of us, if you've been a Christian, if you've been serving God for any time at all, you can definitely think back and remember something that God has brought you through, saved you from, healed you from, delivered you from. Whatever the case is, God has done something in each of our lives. But a lot of times what we see is over the course of time... We tend to lose sight of the things that God's done for us before. And sometimes maybe there's a new situation that's arisen, or maybe there's a, you know, a different storm or a different battle you're fighting, a different giant that you gotta take down now. And sometimes, what I notice is that we lose sight and we forget all about the stuff that God did last time, and then you're starting to worry about the current situation, but you need to always remember what it is that God has done for you in the past and what he's brought you through before. Because if you don't, there's a lot of bad scenarios that you will set yourself up for. And I'm speaking from experience, but I'm also speaking out of the word of God. And so when we forget those things that God has done for us in the past, we can open the door in our life to some unwelcome and uninvited guest. All right. And so there's three things I want to say tonight that happen uh, when you forget what Jesus has done for you, all right? And am I talking to the right crowd tonight, or do you guys... Okay, all right. So we're going to talk about what happens when you forget what Jesus has done for you. The first thing is, number one, you become fearful. If you forget what Jesus has done for you in the past, you will become a fearful person. And I want to show you the story that I'm basing all of the message off of tonight, and that's in Mark chapter 8. So let's turn over to Mark chapter 8 this evening. Amen. We doing good? Mark chapter 8, and we're going to look at a few verses here. This is a very interesting story to me. Very interesting story about Jesus with his disciples. And and they do something that I believe all of us have done at one point or another. But here we are, Jesus, uh, he's just fed a crowd of 4,000 people, not including the women and children. And, uh, and, and here he is, they're crossing to the other side of the lake. And after a while, the disciples kind of get into this little debate with each other, get into an argument. But Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 16, it says this, At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Isn't that the worst, man? You're playing on a day at sea and you didn't bring any bread? I mean, that's just the pits right there. Then It doesn't get worse than not having bread. And so here they are. They're arguing because they didn't bring any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? 
You're arguing about not having bread. Hello? I'm the guy that feeds thousands of people with no bread, with a little bit of bread. I'm Jesus. And so here they are arguing, worrying, being fearful about not having any bread. And Jesus, he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't hold back here. He's like, are you blind? Are you deaf? Do you know who you're sitting with on the boat here right now? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. Yeah, it was twelve baskets, right? Twelve. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet, he asked them. And so here, do you realize that a lot of people know that Jesus fed the 5,000, but a lot of people don't realize this happened on more than one occasion where he fed mass amounts of people with just a few pieces of bread and fish. It happened at least twice that we know of. One time it says 5,000, not including women and children. And then this other time in this very same chapter, he fed over 4,000 men, not including the women and children, with just a little bit of bread and some fish. And here they are worrying about not having bread and Jesus himself is in the boat with them. Do you, do, you, do you get the irony of this? Do you understand why Jesus was getting upset at them? This is Jesus Christ we're talking about. The man that they just witnessed feed thousands of people with a couple pieces of bread and their main concern is not having bread. Do you see how stupid this is? That's like I've got Michael Jordan on my team and I'm going down to the city park and I'm worried about if I'm going to win. Dude, just pass the ball to him every time and you're going to win. It's not rocket science. If Jesus is on your team, the least concern that I would have would be about not having enough bread. I don't care anything else, but seriously, my concern would not be bread because Jesus specializes in the bread multiplying business. This is not that hard to figure out. And so here we are right here, and they're saying, man, we don't have enough bread. It's your fault. It's your fault. And he's saying, guys, don't you remember? And sometimes I look at our lives, and I see us worrying about different things. I see us getting all, all full of anxiety and stress. And Jesus is standing there right this in front of you. Don't you remember the last time I bailed you out? What's wrong with you? Don't you remember when I healed you? Don't you remember when I saved you? Don't you remember when I got you out and you're going to sit here and worry about bread? Are you serious right now? Bread. Don't you think if he got you bread last time that he could get you bread again or did heaven run out of bread? Did heaven run out of healing and now you're just up the creek without a paddle? Did heaven run out of joy and here you are facing depression, but uh, he did it that one time, but I don't want to do it again. I mean, I don't think he'll do it again. Do you seriously think that you've tapped out heaven's resources and there's just nothing left up there. That's what these guys were doing right here, worrying about stinking bread. And they've seen Jesus feed a minimum, of absolute minimum, of 9,000 people with a couple pieces of bread. And that's on the low side. We know it was a lot more than that. And it's easy to laugh at them, but we could laugh and we could point fingers at ourselves, couldn't we? Because some of you in this room right now, you're, you're, you're full of stress and anxiety. You're worried. You are full of fear this very second. And Jesus has he's rescued you and bailed you out of much bigger situations before. And you're going to sit here and worry about bread. Come on. Come on. This is, I mean, look at, look at yourself. Look, let's look at ourselves for a minute. Why are we going to stress out about some of the stuff we're stressing about when we've seen Jesus 
time and time and time again. Come and bail us out. And here we are saying, I don't know, man, I don't know. You are full of fear whenever you forget what Jesus has done for you in the past. I remember this guy that I worked with in Oklahoma, an older man. He had been, he had literally been healed of stage four lymphoma cancer, okay? And he had been, I mean, he was on his deathbed and the Lord healed him. But the funny thing was this guy would all the time go around just complaining and worrying about minor ailments like, well, it's flu season. This will probably be the one to take me out this year. You know, you can't dodge it forever. And finally, one day, this lady's like, didn't you like get healed of deadly, fatal stage four cancer? And you're worrying about the flu. I mean, wouldn't you just ask God to heal you again? Well, he did it once, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be presumptive and think that he would just do it again. I mean, you know, I've already had my miracle for my life. I don't think I could ask for another one. And I'm, we're sitting there saying, are you serious, man? You're serious. God bailed you out. God saved you off a deathbed. And you're going to sit here and worry about the flu? You're going to worry about having a cold and the sniffles and a tummy ache? And you got healed of cancer? And it's easy to laugh at people like this. But again, look at you. Look at our own lives. We're sitting here and God's bailed us out and healed us and saved us and delivered us and brought us through the storm. And we're going to sit here and worry about bread, worry about little things in life. But God has brought us through much bigger and badder things in the past. Well, what if this is the biggest situation that you have ever faced? Maybe he's brought you out of the cold and the flu before, but now you're facing the biggest thing you've ever faced. Well, good news. There's an answer to that, too. What did David do when he faced Goliath? That was the biggest and worst situation to that point in time that he had ever faced in his life. I mean, he had faced lions. He had faced bears. He had bullies for big brothers, which I can tell you from experience, that's not cool. All right. But here we are. And, and so, and so, I mean, he has faced some things in life, but then he comes up to facing the giant. And do you know what David did? We aren't turning there. We can write it down. First Samuel 17. David started bringing up all of the past victories that he had already been through. He comes up and Goliath says, man, I'm going to murder you. I'm going to kill you and feed your behind to the birds. You're dead meat. You're, I'm going to murder you. And he says, all right, listen. The God I serve, he helped me kill a lion. He helped me kill a bear. He's brought me through everything I've ever faced. And here you are, an uncircumcised Philistine, and you're making, I've got God on my side. There's no way you're going to win. What did David do before he went into the battle? He started bringing up the past victories that he'd already won. So I killed a lion with my bare hands. I killed a bear. I killed all these other things. And this is just a giant that doesn't even have a covenant with God. There's no way I can lose this. I'm in covenant with God. And some of you guys, you need to start seeing yourself in that same position. This may be the biggest thing you've ever faced. But start looking back at the past things that God's brought you through. All right, well, I beat that. And, I mean, this one looked really bad, but I overcame that. And, and there was this situation. I made it through that. And here's, here's this giant, and I'm in a covenant with God. This situation is definitely not in a covenant with God. And Romans 8 says that if God is for me, who can be against me? There's no way I could possibly lose this. What am I sitting here crying about? Why don't I get up and go face the giant? But this is what happens when you don't remember what God has already done for you. You become fearful. 
you will straight up become fearful. Here you are, a son of God. Here you are, a daughter of God, a child of God. And you're crying about this situation. I'm not putting on anybody. I'm just saying you need to have a better perspective of your situation than what you've got right now. You can't feel sorry for yourself if God's on your side. Now, if you're facing this alone, cry all night long because you are in deep, deep doo-doo. But if God is on your side, there's no reason at all for you to be afraid because God is he's on your side. He's not against you. He's for you. You have no you, there's no other option but to win as long as you'll do it his way. Amen. And so when you don't remember what it is that God's brought you through in the past, you will become a fearful person. And that's difficult to look at. Number two, you become unthankful. Is that up there? <laughs> well, it got quiet. I said, when you forget what God has done for you in the past, you become unthankful. And there's nothing worse than an ungrateful, unthankful little brat. Am I right? Okay, amen. So, I mean, you've seen, I've seen people that God has done time and time and time and time again. And I mean, they don't even stop to say thank you. And I am being so serious about this. Look at Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. Do we have some thankful people in the house tonight? Has God ever done anything for you? Jesus bailed you out when you got yourself in a bad spot. Double hands up right here. Absolutely. He has rescued me out of my idiocy more than more than a few times. No comments from the front row. Family. Jeez. Yeah. Luke 17, verses 12 through 18. So here's a, a familiar story that we have shared many times. But you've got to see this. Luke 17, starting at verse 12, it says, As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Telling you what, if you had leprosy... You would understand, like, this is a big deal. If you even knew what leprosy was, this is a big deal. That is a bad disease to be afflicted with. And it still exists in some parts of this world. But these guys, he just said, you go and do this. And as they went, they were cleansed, 100% healed of leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, wait a minute. Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, can you imagine you have, let's say you have leprosy. I mean, your skin is rotting off of the bones, okay? It's painful, it is nasty, and you are going to die. There's no way around it. Leprosy will kill you, and it'll be a nasty, painful death. So say, you know, let's just imagine that you're in this situation, and Jesus heals you. You don't even drop a thank you note in the mail. You don't even send a shout out on Instagram. You don't do anything, not even one little thank you. You're just like, oh man, wow, hey, I'm better. 
let's go, let's, you know, let's go peg out, guys. I, you just take off and don't even say thank you. And he just saved your life from certain death. That's messed up, isn't it? I mean, that, that is a messed up situation to look at. And, and I see this. But I realize that I know people that have done things just like this. I mean, I've seen God bring people up off of deathbeds. If you'll bail me out of this one, oh God, I swear for you, I'll never look back. I'm yours forever. A month later, they don't even go to church anymore. Maybe once a month. And am I judging? Absolutely I'm judging. That's screwed up. Jesus saved your life, and you can't even show up once a... Hello? Come on. Look at this. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? And, and I mean, I think of this one guy. I know he had a heart attack. I mean, it was he was going to die, and he was begging Jesus to heal him. Jesus healed him and brought him up. And I mean, he came to church two times after that. I didn't see him for six straight months until the next crisis. I'm thinking, what is going on there? I, I, again, I, I'm not better than anybody, but... You should at least have the decency to give, toss God an hour or two of your week. At least toss him a bone or something. I mean, come on. He saved your life. Imagine you're walking down the beach one day and you see somebody out there completely drowning. They, they are drowning and some stranger just runs up. I mean, jumps into the water, swims way out there, saves them, carries them in off the shore, gives them CPR. Blows into their mouth, which, I mean, I, that's, I couldn't do that. But anyway, so they mean, saves their life. And the person, like, gets up, like, whoa, that was weird. Just walks off. And the, and the hero, the savior, the hero is standing right. I mean, would, my jaw would drop. I'd be like, that's it? That's it? You were dying, and he just carried you out, risked his own life. Which our Savior did, I mean, hello, have you heard of the Easter story? It's where he died, and then, uh, yeah. So, here we are. He saved the life of this person, and they don't even bother to say thank you. I've seen it time, and time, and time again. This is, I mean, this is, it sounds shocking, but, and, and I've been guilty of forgetting the things that God's done for me. I've been guilty of giving him the thanks and the praise that he rightfully deserves. And I'm guessing if I've been guilty, maybe someone else in here has too. I don't know. But I know that I have definitely not given Jesus the thanks that he deserves because he has saved my life. Saved me from hell. Saved me from cancer. Saved me from all sorts of stupid things. And I'm telling you right now that he deserves every ounce that I am. I can live a thousand lives and not repay Jesus for what he's done for me in this one. I tell you that right now. He deserves everything. And so the story of the ten lepers kind of shows us two little things here. First thing that I take down is that most people are not truly thankful. Maybe even as little as 10%. One out of ten. I don't know. But at least in this story, only 10% were truly thankful. And the second thing that is interesting in this story is that Jesus does notice. Jesus does notice those that are truly thankful. And, and you know, we say things like, well, you know, he, I mean, he does, and he does love everybody. Exactly the same. But that doesn't mean that it does not hurt when someone you love and did a lot for doesn't notice, doesn't say thank you. 
I mean, imagine this. Imagine that the person you love, the, the woman of your dreams, you, I mean, you want to do something super nice for her, or ladies, the man of your dreams, okay, whatever the case is. So, I mean, you save up, you work extra hours, you sell stuff, you know, on eBay, you, 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 you work and, and, and scrap and save, and you put everything, every, all your resources into giving them the best gift you could possibly imagine, and the day gets here. And you hand it to them, and, and you're like, oh, I can't wait, man. I get, I put everything into this. And they open it up, and, and, and she's like, yeah. Just walk. Do you, can you imagine what you would feel like at that moment? That wouldn't that just absolutely crush you? You gave your best. You gave your all. And for God so loved the world that he gave one of his many sons. No, he gave his only, his one and only son. The best thing that God had. I mean, God's got some great stuff. He's got beautiful mountains he's created. He's got galaxies that we haven't even explored yet. He's got beautiful, wonderful, awesome things that are his. But the best thing he had was this one son that he had. And he was perfect, spotless, never did anything wrong to anybody. And he gave him for a guy like me. For for us. He gave the... I mean, the very best thing that God had to his name, that he, the very best thing he gave to us, for us. He gave it up, sacrificed it, and yet millions, billions would never, ever even acknowledge his existence. And we have people that, yeah, okay, I'm cool with that, I believe that, and they never even say thank you for it. I don't think it would hurt to wake up every day and say, thank you, Father, for sending Jesus for me. I really didn't deserve that. <laughs> thank you so much. I mean, do you think that would hurt any, would that just, would that throw your day off kilter and you wouldn't know what to do after that? I think that would be a great way to, to live. And, and, and the problem is, is when you quit remembering the things that, when you lose sight of yesterday's bread, and when you lose sight of the last time that God saved you, you become unthankful. And you're just demanding the next miracle. You're just demanding the next bailout. You're just demanding, well, uh, I, I need this and I need it right now. Right now I need this. Hold on. Time out. Don't worry. I'll get it to you. But remember, the, I'm still waiting on a thank you from the last time. I'm still waiting on a little. I mean, just something would have been nice. Maybe you could have just on Sunday night stood up and testified about it. Maybe you could have told somebody at work how I saved you. Maybe you could have just shared your testimony, but... Excuse me, let me get right on your next situation and just bail you out again. So, I think we're all a little bit guilty of not fully acknowledging and remembering and thanking God for the things He's done for us in the past. Let's quickly turn to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. Let's not be rude to Jesus. Let's treat Him good. He deserves good. If you'll say thank you to the to the waiter or waitress, if you could say thank you to the you know, grocery store person, I mean, come on. You can genuinely thank Jesus for saving your life. And I have no problem with people coming up to the altar and crying and people that jump and run. I don't care, man. You thank Jesus however you see fit. I'm fine with that. You want to dance before the Lord? Do it. Do it. Just thank him for what he's done for you. Because I tell you what, man, I've seen some of you guys at sporting events. You'd think they were your savior. 
Like Kobe Bryant done died on the cross. He didn't. <laughs> Jesus did. You think, well, whoever, whatever crazy football teams you people like, none of them are like, anyway. But, I mean, you see your team, you go crazy about it. And then we have something like a baptism happen at church, and you're like, really? This guy just got baptized for the remission of sins, and you've got a golf clap? But, you're too, but, but LeBron hits a three-pointer, and you rip your shirt off and dance? What is wrong with this picture? Sunday, we're going to dunk at least 11 people in that tank back there. We better see some thanks. We will straight jump out of that tank and handle business. Listen, you need to be excited about the things of God like you're excited about other things. Take that for what it's worth. Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12. This is David. He said, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. That's a pretty good trade. Mourning, sorrow, weeping. Trade that for dancing before God. That's a great trade. He said, you have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Why are you being silent when Jesus took your mourning away and gave you joy instead? But your lips are sealed tight. Why don't you thank him? Why don't you praise him? Why don't you get loud? Come on. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. And that needs to be all right. I will give you thanks for every single day that I'm on this earth. And then I'm going to dance myself right into heaven, giving you thanks right there. That's the attitude that we're looking for. That's the attitude of somebody that remembers where they used to be. Somebody that doesn't even, well, they just, they don't even remember what God's brought them through. They don't, I guarantee you, they don't have this attitude. I can guarantee you that somebody that doesn't even stop to thank God for the previous victories, there's no way that they'd sit there and say that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. They don't say stuff like that. They say, what's next? That was cool, but what's next? Come on. You can do better than that. Number three, when you don't remember what Jesus has done for you, number three, you become eventually unfaithful. Become unfaithful. A lot of a lot of times in marriages that have grown cold, it's because they forget all the great times they've had together. They they start to forget all the great stuff they've made it through together. They forget all the battles that have been fought and won together as a team. They forget the victories, the successes. And when you do that in any relationship, you'll start to grow cold. Whether it be a marriage, whether it be a friendship, whether it be your relationship with God, if you never remember the great things that have already happened together, it will grow cold and it will happen with God too. Absolutely. It'll still happen with God. And, you know, what's funny is a lot of us, our love for God will grow cold, but his love for you will never grow cold. He, there's never a time that he will love you any less then he's always loved you. There's never a time where he just grows tired of you. There's never a time where he stops thinking about you. He thinks about you every single day. You're on his heart. You're on his mind. God is absolutely in love with all of us. He loves us. And isn't it sad when sometimes our love starts to grow cold and we don't call no more. We don't, we don't set aside time anymore. We don't make any time for him anymore. Why is that? Oh, well, I got a raise on the job and I got a, wow, 
Money's more valuable than God. That hurts. That would hurt if my wife, you know, just said money was more valuable than I am. But, but, but for me to say, I don't know, man, they, they gave me that. I just don't have time for that stuff anymore. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm making six digits a year right now. Do you understand the potential right here? Wow. Money is more valuable than this relationship. That really stinks. That really stinks, man. And I've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen it. Where something becomes more valuable than our love. We become unfaithful. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a crazy story. Look it up on your own time. The book of Hosea. Now, this is one of the strangest stories in all of the Bible to me. The people of Israel were notorious. God would rescue them and save their lives and they'd serve him for a little bit, then they'd backslide. They'd start, they'd forget all about God. They'd start hanging out with the heathen. They'd start just wandering away. And then they'd get in a bad spot and they'd come running back again. Over and over and over again. And so the Lord speaks to a prophet named Hosea. And he's like, we're going to use your life as an object lesson, Hosea. I want you to marry a prostitute. And to make it worse, her name's Gomer. Her name is literally Gomer. This is the worst possible story of all time. And so, I mean, can you imagine your wife being named Gomer? What do you do with, like, Hosea, Gomer? Oh, gosh. Darling. It's a bad setup. But anyway, and so God's like, I want you to marry Gomer. She's a prostitute, Hosea. And, and every time that she fails you and is unfaithful, I want you to take her back. And I mean, he, he does. He, he, he marries Gomer. He lays his life out there and he gives his heart to her. And sure enough, she always cheats on him, but then she comes running back when she's in a bad spot over and over again. And, and people are looking at this like, why do you keep taking her back? She, you know, she's going to do it again. She's unfaithful. She's got serious issues, (laughs) but you always take her back and then she does it all over again. And then the Lord speaks and says, exactly. You all are Gomer. You're Gomer. (laughs) You screw up. I take you back. Then you break my heart all over again. And it's a never-ending cycle because you are unthankful. I will get you out of your mess. I will rescue you and save you and heal you. And then you'll forget all about me a week later and break my heart all over again. That's what you're doing to me, Israel. That's what you're doing to me. I love you with everything that I am. I give my whole heart. I lay it all out there for you. And it's not good enough. You will sell yourself out for me, against me, time and time again. That's what you're doing to me. Like, whoa, that's an extreme example right there. But, I mean, it makes sense. People do this. And to some extent, we've all been unfaithful to some extent. Now, some people very much so. Others maybe not as much. But all of us have not been faithful to Jesus to the extent that he deserves. If you can sit here and say, I know I've given him everything he deserves. I think that I've, I've done perfect. Then, yeah, I don't think you have. Somewhere along the line, you've not been perfect. But eventually, if we don't remember the good times, the things that he's brought us through will become unfaithful. Last verse for tonight, 2 Timothy 2.13. I, I really, really, really love this verse. 2 Timothy 2.13. Is anybody getting anything tonight? Are you, man, may, are you sitting there remembering some of the stuff that God's brought you through? 
I sure hope so, because he has brought you through stuff. 2 Timothy 2.13. Now, this is the last letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. He was getting ready to die. Uh, The Roman government cut his head off in about 65 AD, 66, somewhere in there. Bad spot to be in. But as he's writing this letter to young Timothy, I mean, he's really putting his heart out there, man. He's really... Just, I mean, being very raw. And 2 Timothy 2.13, I love what he says to Timothy right there. He says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. And I look at that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I, and Pastor Dave's not a crier, but I'm about to cry right now. I mean, think about the times that I've been unfaithful, yet he's right there, time and time again, I He cannot deny who he is. God is faithful. God is love. There are a lot of things that God is. And in that list, faithfulness is one of those things. And so even if I've been a little brat, even if I've been an unthankful, even if I've I've been unfaithful, he remains faithful to me because he cannot deny who he is. That's who he is. He's faithful even when I've been unfaithful. That's even hard to comprehend. Like, why would you still love me? Why would you still want me? Why would you still choose me to do things for you? What, what, you, you you're still calling me to serve you? You still actually me? And I've, I've not, I'm not what you deserve. You deserve someone 10 million times better than me. But you, you still want me? Why is that? Because even if we are unfaithful, he'll still be faithful to you. Because he cannot deny who he is faithful, whether we deserve it or not. And so what I'm challenging us with tonight is this, is never, ever, ever lose sight of where you came from. You may not be at the top just yet. You may not be exactly where you want to be, but thank you, Jesus, I'm not in a hospital bed dying of leukemia anymore. Thank you, Jesus, I'm not right there. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not facing this or facing that. Thank you, Jesus. You restored the relationship. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not where I was at this time last year. I mean, it could be things could be better, uh, whatever, but they are not where they used to be. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought my children home. Thank you, Jesus, that you healed me, that you saved my marriage, that you that you did these. You saved all that. Thank you, Jesus. I'll never forget what you've done for me. And if that's your attitude, if you would just spend a few minutes giving thanks every day, you'll stay faithful. You're not going to turn into a fearful person. You're going to remain exactly where you need to remain if you'll always remember and never forget. I don't want Jesus to have to say, don't you remember? He's fed 10,000 people with bread and you're crying about bread. I don't want that to be me and I don't want that to be you. So let's remember and thank God for what he's done in our lives. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.